Buenos dias. Good morning. Welcome to all who join us on this summer day. Whether you're here in this space or listening or watching, join me in the call to worship that is printed in your bulletin. We who gather this morning are intricately connected with people of the world through our Creator. Estamos conectados a otros a través de Dios el Creador. We come to worship our Creator. Venimos a adorar a nuestro Creador. Con la tierra, with all the earth, we cry out for the saving power of Jesus Christ. Clamamos a Jesucristo a que nos salve. We come to see Jesus. Venimos a ver Jesucristo. We want to be animated by the Holy Spirit, animados por el Espíritu Santo, to seek justice for the earth and all its people. Buscamos la justicia para la tierra y para todas las personas. We come to breathe in the Holy Spirit. Venimos a respirar el Espíritu Santo. Please turn in your blue hymnal to number 51 and stand if it suits.
And now in sing the story, number 115, 115, beauty for brokenness. I'll point out there are, in the bottom of the first page you'll see we have verses 1 and 3, which have a certain ending, but for verses 2, 4, and 5, we have another ending before we go to the refrain. 115.
As we come to our time of prayer, here are a few of the people who have asked for a specific mention in our prayers today. Arlen Clausen is recuperating after some complications that followed bypass surgery. And John Harley, Eber Rice Smucker, Jeff Landis, and Sylvia Jackson are also recovering from recent surgeries. Others are continuing with ongoing health concerns and fatigue, including Rosemary Fry and Irene Beckler. We also want to pray for the family of Julia Stauffer, who's the daughter of Dorothy and Don McGammon. Julia died on July 14 in Colorado Springs. We also received word this morning that the father of Tina, who is our church administrator, is dying. Tina is with him now, so let's remember her and her whole family. There's also something exciting coming up that we want to pray for this morning. Nellie Robles is going to be celebrating her quinceañera this week. Nellie would love for her whole church family, and that means you, to be a part of the religious ceremony that is here in our sanctuary at 12.30 on Saturday. For those of us who are new to this tradition, the quinceañera is a time for Nellie to recommit herself to God as she transitions into adulthood. Let's pray together. God, our creator, we come before you today as your grateful children. Jesus, we enter your presence in awe of your surprising love. Holy Spirit, we gather secure in your promise to empower us. You have placed us in a global community. We are intricately and miraculously connected with not just the people, but the creatures and seedlings and fauna and fruits of the world. We lift up to you all around the world who deal with unrest and insecurity, whether that's due to climate change or politics, violence, combinations of these and other factors. God, you call us into vibrant and transformative community. We thank you especially today for Nellie and for her parents, Francisco and Antonia. As Nellie prepares for her quinceañera, draw her close to you. Prepare her heart, God. We also pray for the teachers and school workers who are getting things ready for a new school year. God, we are grateful for all of the time and the love that they put into education and care for our children. Equip them. Give them joy. You are intimately connected and acquainted with our whole beings. Today, we lift those who struggle physically and emotionally. We pray for your strength and courage for those dealing with all kinds of illnesses both the people going through them and their caregivers. For Arlen, John, Eber, Jeff, Sylvia, Rosemary, Irene. For the family of Julia, for Tina and her family surrounding her father now. Lord, hear our prayers for both those named and unnamed. 
Holy Trinity, your dance of love invites us into the mysteries of death and life, pain and hope, despair and joy. Ours is the story of victory over death. We inhabit an earth alive with your goodness. Make us sensitive to the groans of creation, ready to join in your healing work. In the name of the risen Christ, we pray. Amen. Children, I invite you to come forward now for a story while we sing this next song. And while they're coming forward, we will uh, sing from Sing the Story, number 34. And Marie Weaver, our Minister of Music, will give us some instructions for this song. We sang this last week, so I'd like to experiment with it a little bit this week. Uh, we'll sing it once through as written. I would invite you to try the Spanish translation at the bottom, uh, the bottom of the page. So we'll sing it once through, two times through the top part, through two times through the second part. Then the second time through, this half of the room with Kent will sing it once more as written in English. This is the same way. This side of the room with me, we're going to stay on part two, sing part two two times through, and then go back to part one, sing that two times through, and end with part one. So we'll have both of the parts together. It's a pretty cool sound.
I have been gone for a few weeks, and I hear that you did quite the offering project over the last two Sundays. Last Sunday, I hear that you collected $601.74 for Rotter Projects in Mozambique. So nice work, everybody. I also saw the pretty cool card that you made, and we'll give that to MCC as well. I think they're going to be pretty happy to have this money to use for that good work that they're doing with people who are affected by climate change. Yeah, you can see, uh, you see quite a lot of money getting counted there, don't you? Yeah, Mike has a project in front of him, I think. All right. Well, today, today Phil is going to be preaching from Luke 10, 25 through 37, and it's the story of the Good Samaritan. But we are going to read just a few of the verses at the beginning that you might be a little less familiar with or maybe have heard but didn't necessarily know they came with this story. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. Okay, keep that in mind while we hear a story. You just ate a peach, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah? Do you like peaches? Yeah. Yeah. Good. Favorite fruit, actually. Favorite fruit, actually. Oh, my goodness. So, uh, I'm going to tell you a story about peaches. My family and I just got back from vacation, and when we were in Missouri about two weeks ago, I got in there and I saw that there were a couple boxes of peaches sitting in the kitchen. And my mother-in-law really had a lot of stuff she was needing to do, and those peaches were super ripe and really needed to get put in the freezer. So I said, I'll do it. So I peeled the peaches, and I put them in um, freezer bags, and my sister-in-law and my nieces were helping me with that. And then as we were labeling the bags, we had a kind of funny conversation. So here's how I was labeling them. Peaches 2019. Okay, that's pretty, like, you know what's in the bag if you see that, right? They're from this year, and they are peaches. Well, my niece thought it would be funny if I wrote frozen by Talasha on the bag so that when Grandma got them out, she would know where they had come from. And then we thought that it would be funny if under that we put, whoop, hello, bought by Grandma. Because, you know, we both had a role to play in these peaches, right? And then we realized that because the peaches came from California, they had to travel in a truck halfway across the country to come to Missouri. So we thought we should add transported by the trucker because we didn't know the trucker's name. And then we realized that someone had to pick the peaches. And since they were grown in California, we knew that they were probably picked by a migrant worker, someone who had traveled up to California through Central America or Mexico to find work. So maybe, we thought, 
we should add picked by a Central American migrant worker. We thought it was kind of interesting to think of all these people who had touched these peaches. And maybe it would be fun to think about a map and picture all the different places that the people who worked with this peach had come from. And it would look something like this. So you can see there's a line that goes from the middle of Mexico up to where these peaches probably came from. And then, so that's people traveling up there to pick them. And then the trucker from who knows where I drove it to Missouri. So that's a line we don't even have in there. And then I came to, from Indiana to Missouri. And that's how these peaches got put in the freezer. That's a lot of travel for a little peach. And that's a lot of people who touched the peach. When we ate those peaches, when you ate these peaches that we just had, which were from Georgia, actually, you are connected, in a way, with people from all over this map. And that makes those people your neighbor. These peaches didn't cost very much money. They were what we call here a good deal. But you know what? The people who picked them probably weren't paid very well for picking it. It's not such a good deal for them. It's more of a good deal for those of us who are buying and eating the peaches. And it's not really fair that I got a good deal on a peach when the people who picked it may not have enough to eat. And that's something we have to think about. God created this earth to support all of us, to give us enough food for everyone on the earth. So, how can we help this earth to feed everyone the way God intended it? I don't have a great answer and we can't really solve this today, but let's keep talking about it. How do we love our neighbors as ourselves, even in the way that we buy and sell fruit? Give them money. It would be good to maybe start thinking about the way we use our money to help others, wouldn't it? Give yeah. them money so they can buy their own fruits. Give or them money to buy their own pick fruits. Them at a farm. Pick them at a farm around here. Yeah. Or they make their own farm. Have our own farms. Or maybe pay people oh, better to pick things. Buy them at the store. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's pray together as we kind of keep thinking about this. I love that you have some good ideas on this. Um, here, can you stand up to pray? Um, so we're talking about people from all over coming together and that we're kind of connected with everybody. So how about make your body into a big stretched out position? Can you do a big stretched out position? without touching anybody else. Scoot back, please. There you go. All right, let's pray together. God, thank you for your amazing earth that grows food for all. I pray that you will help us to keep thinking about how to do things in a way that is just. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, you may get worship bags and go back to your seats. I invite you to turn and sing the journey, number 30.
Sing the Journey Green Book 30. I really like the vivid action words in the song. Begun with the simplicity of Jesus Christ is waiting. Walk one step before me, I will follow. Our preacher this morning is Phil Waite, our pastoral team leader. Join me in a prayer of blessing for Phil this morning. God, thank you for your presence with Phil as he was growing up on the West Coast, as he studied in the Midwest, as he served in the Philippines, and as he pastors here. Speak through him today. Amen. The grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. I'm going to adjust this.
Our scripture this morning is a familiar one, and you've already heard part of it, uh, beginning uh, with uh, verse 25 of Luke chapter 10. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance... A priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back I will repay you whatever more you spend." Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. The word of the Lord. Joel Pontius is a CMCer who works at Mary Lee Environmental Center. It's a Goshen College has a, an environmental center about, what, 45 minutes away? That, is that right? Uh, those of you who, who know that place. So he, he works there. And every year, he leads a Goshen College class that is a canoe trip, beginning at the headwaters of the Elkhart River at a lake uh, near Mary Lee, all the way down to Lake Michigan. Now, you imagine that in your mind. So, I mean, we've, I assume all of you have seen the Elkhart River at some point in your, uh, in your, in your lives. And, and you kind of get an idea what it's like. So I want, you to, I want you to think about what that would involve all the way down the Elkhart River, navigating the whole uh, area around Benton Dam. You'd have to do some portaging and then all, all, uh, around the, the Goshen Dam Pond and all the way down then um, to, to the St. Joe River and then down the St. Joe River all the way to Lake Michigan. That's quite an ordeal. It takes seven days 
to do that, and they're pretty grueling days. And it involves some camping, and uh, I think they spend one night at Benton Mennonite Church uh, through, that, through that whole process. Now, there are several reason, reasons to do this, of course. One is, just, is, is simply the physical activity of, of, of engaging nature, but there's, a, there's the, the whole idea for Joel in his teaching role is that he wants to give students a sense of um, the integrity of creation, the connectedness of creation. If you notice the sermon title, what happens in Goshen goes everywhere. And that is literally true. It's not metaphorically true, it's literally true. I, I live on the mill race here in town now, uh, since, since Beth and I moved, and I like to think, this, I like to do this thought experiment. Uh, um, this is important to me. For whatever reason, it's important to me. I can get in a kayak, put it in by my house, and I can go just about anywhere in the world on that kayak. Now, I'm not going to do this. Don't worry. Don't. Don't wake up in the night and say, did Phil try to make a kayak trip to England? What's, um, no, I'm not going to do that. That's not going to happen. But the idea that I am connected by that water that I can see by my house every day with all the water in the world and all the places in the world that water touches makes me feel connected to creation and to all the people of the world bound with them bound together by water. It's also true that if I were to change my oil in my car, in my driveway, which also is not going to happen, I'm more likely to take a kayak trip to England than to change the oil in my driveway. (laughs) So don't worry about that either. But let's say in theory, if I did... And I, and I had, to, had to dispose of this old oil, and I said, boy, what do I do with this old oil? And I said, I know, I'll just dump it in the mill race. What happens in Goshen goes everywhere. And that oil goes all over the world in some form. Interconnected, bound together. Now, that's not so far-fetched, is it? There's that, you hear about that place uh, uh, north of Pike, by where Bob Evans used to be, the place that used to be where Bob Evans used to be, uh, if you will. I'm, I'm getting ready for the joke show, so bear with me. I'm warming up. Um, they, used, they used to change oil, and they used to just dump things in the river. That's what you did back then, is you dump stuff in the river. What, goes in, what happens in Goshen goes everywhere. It's also true with the air that we breathe. The air that's here in Goshen doesn't just stay in Goshen. And it also came from someplace else. I, li- I like to go to Chicago. We, I mean, uh, if, you, if you live here, a lot of people like to go to Chicago on a regular basis. And when you go to, th- to Chicago, you drive past steel mills and uh, refineries and uh, coal-fired power plants, all those kinds of things, right? And that, that pollution that's being produced doesn't stay in Gary and Burns Harbor, and all those places, and Whiting. 
it comes this direction. What doesn't happen there, what happens there doesn't stay there. And it, and it moves on. We are connected. Uh, shortly after I moved back uh, from the Philippines, after living there almost 20 years ago, uh, Mount Pinatubo erupted. How many, this is an age test, I know, but how many remember Mount Pinatubo erupting in the Philippines? And these massive amounts of volcanic ash and sulfur went into the atmosphere and went all over the world. And the summer after Mount Pinatubo erupted was my first summer living in northern Indiana. It was cold. We had frost in June. What happened in the Philippines didn't stay there. It went everywhere and impacted the whole world. We are bound together. We have been bound, in a sense, by our creator on this planet. And what happens one place does not stay in one place. It goes everywhere. And what one person does and what one community does doesn't stay with that one person. It goes everywhere. We are neighbors, all of us, all creatures on this planet. Now, I, I also think that the world is getting smaller. That if this has always been true, it's more true today than it used to be. What we do in one place impacts what happens in another place. And a lot of this has to do with industrial technology, the industrial revolution, if you will. And some of it has to do with information technology. We have ways of impacting each other uh, that, that we didn't used to have. We were talking this morning in the worship planning uh, 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 with Kent, and he was in Ghana recently. And he, uh, he's hoping that friends that he saw in Ghana, the country of Ghana and Africa, are going to be watching this service today, now, right now. You, can, you could look at the camera and wave at them if you want to. They're watching it's a small world. What's happening right here, right now, it's not staying here. It's going everywhere. Did you know that? Don't pick your nose because, you know, it goes everywhere. Careful. You never know when that camera's going to pan and look right on you. What happens in Goshen goes everywhere. Our world is small. Now, there are two questions in this parable. One is that, who is my neighbor question, right? That's asked pretty pointedly. Who is my neighbor? And in this sense, we come to realize that everybody's our neighbor. That we are so bound together in this creation on this planet that everyone is our neighbor. That how we behave affects the well-being of others across the world. But the other question that's implied in the story is what is neighborliness? What is neighborliness? That is, what does it mean to be a good neighbor? 
And there are two words that are used to get at this. One is justice and one is mercy. And both of these words are used in a way in this text. The lawyer asks the question of Jesus, the who is my neighbor question, in order to what? Are we paying attention? Why does he ask the question? What does he want to do? Justify himself. He wants to prove that he is behaving justly, that he is doing justice. So in a sense, he is asking, what does it mean for me to do justice? Who is my neighbor? What does it mean for me to be a just person, a righteous person, a good person, a worthy person of the calling to which God has called me? What does that mean? And what are the requirements of that? What does it mean to be a just neighbor? And the other word, of course, is mercy. The punchline at the end is, who was the neighbor to this man? The one who showed him mercy. The one who used the power at his disposal, the good Samaritan, to show care and love and compassion for someone who is vulnerable. Indeed, the one who, who gave up his power put himself at risk to show kindness to somebody else was the one who was the neighbor. Now, on our planet today, we have a crisis. The climate is changing. And it's affecting all of us. And we see it in the news, some version of this every day. It was 109 degrees in Paris this week, the hottest temperature ever recorded in Paris. Paris never gets that hot, or it didn't used to. It does now. Times have changed. The planet is changing. And if you look at maps, of the areas of the world most vulnerable to climate change, they are parts of the world where poor people live, where people who are on the margins, where people who don't have the resources to adapt live. And if you look at a map of the world to find out which countries are the countries that have contributed most to climate change, it's not those places. It's the countries where the rich people live. Now, there are lots of reasons why that is, and we could talk about that and analyze that. We won't do that this morning. But that's to say that there is injustice. It's to say that some people many of them who no longer are living, have not been good neighbors. They have not behaved justly. They have not acted with mercy. And, and it's important to say that we are not just neighbors of people who are living now on this planet. We are neighbors with people who will live here in the future. We have an obligation to be good neighbors to the people who will be here living in this planet after all of us are long gone. 
That's what the text asks for us. So it is that the people who are most at the margins, the most vulnerable to climate change, are the people who are least responsible for it. You can look right here in Goshen, the great flood of 2018. What places were most affected by the flood? Who was most affected by the flood? In most cases, it would be those who were on the poor, who were poor, and on the margins. The floodplain is always going to have the cheapest housing, for better or for worse. Now, the story, our story this morning, is known to us as the parable of the good. Samaritan. It's not the parable of the bad neighbor. It's the parable of the good Samaritan. And it suggests to us that we are not powerless. It suggests to us that we can be good neighbors, that we can make choices that impact the world for good. But it asks something of us in order to do that. One thing it asks of us is awareness. It asks us to pay attention to our neighbor. Pay attention to what's going on in the world. Pay attention to what you are doing, your actions, and how your actions impact the lives of others. But I want to go deeper this morning. And I want to talk about the church. Jesus, who tells us this story, is the one in whom all things were created. The one in whom all things were created. All this creation has come into being through Jesus. It has a sanctity and a goodness. And Jesus, that same Jesus, was incarnate, was born into this world and was bound to creation in the same way that we are. In other words, Jesus became a neighbor, bound together in this world, on this planet, intricately connected to all of us. And this same Jesus, who lived on this earth, who was crucified and rose again and ascended into heaven, dwells with us through this community. Jesus is the head of the body of Christ, and we are the body of Christ. Bound with Jesus... as God's people, bound 
with Jesus as God's people. That means something. It means that we have as God's people a unique and peculiar calling to be neighbors, to think together about how we can live more justly, to think together about mercy, to think together how, how we can use our power how we can give up some of our power to help our neighbors. We're going to sing, I bind my heart this tight. Bound. We've been using that word bound together. Bound with Jesus. Bound to the Galilean side. Bound. Tied up. But I want to I, I wanna reframe it a little bit, just a little bit, as we think about what that means. We, the, the agency in this is given, to, is, given to, is given to us. I bind my heart this tide. But I want us to remember that Jesus binds himself to us. Jesus remains our good neighbor. Amen. In the, in the hymn book 411, Good morning. I'm Joe Springer, uh, chair of the church board. I'm here this morning to offer a special word of thanks 
Throughout the past year, your generous giving has supported the ministries of this congregation. Thank you. I hope that you noticed the good news in the July 7th bulletin. College Mennonite Church was able to fully cover last year's funding plan. But that news was even better. For the second year in a row, our collective support for CMC Ministries has fully covered the current year's planned expenditures. This wonderful news shows us that indeed we can together accomplish that which none of us can do alone. Praise God. Stepping out in faith each year, the congregation approves a funding plan for our ministries in the year ahead. Meeting that goal as we have means the dollars you now give are able to support future, expense, future responses to God's call on us. Thank you for your continuing generosity. Your financial support, the gifts of your time, your prayers, help us focus on the congregation's current priorities. Hospitality and welcoming, Christian formation, community, and unity. We are extending welcome to a wide variety of people in our community. Our worship services are deepening our understandings of how we as Christians respond to and care for God's beautiful creation. As a congregation, we continue to be committed to a large tent understanding and vision of God's kingdom. One where we can discuss and learn together across multiple viewpoints. One where we welcome the opportunity, not just to sing the song on my heart, but also to learn and to sing the songs, familiar or new, on the hearts of each one who enters this space and joins us on this journey of Christian discipleship. In addition to thanking the many individuals who support CMC Ministries with gifts, I want this morning also to express our gratitude to our pastors, our staff, and lay leaders who work together to steward carefully the dollars that you entrust to the congregation. I cherish this congregation. I cherish the saints who have preceded us. Even more, I rejoice in the presence of new saints who are joining us. I'm look, I look forward with eager anticipation to those saints we do not yet know. May we continue to seek the Holy Spirit's guidance as we build on what we have been to grow into that which God is calling us to become. Thank you for your support of this congregation's ministries. That was good news. On that lovely note, it's time to continue our generosity with our offering. Bring your offerings forward or send them with a child or someone else coming up 
And don't forget to sign and pass the friendship uh, books that are located at the ends of your pews. And feel free to look at that to see who all is sitting in your pew with you if you don't know them yet. Please join me in prayer. Gracious God, we are grateful for the gifts that you have given to us. We are especially grateful for the gift of Jesus incarnate into this world with whom we are bound. We are thankful that every act of mercy, every act of justice, on our part, binds us with Christ. We ask that this offering that we return to you be a sign of our oneness with him, in whose name we pray, amen. In the purples, 
Sing the story 124. yet read your bulletin, I urge you to do that. There is a lot happening in the next month, including drum circles and different things happening in Sunday school and outdoor worship and all kinds of stuff. So look in that bulletin to know what all is coming up. Also, this is our final Sunday of July, so it's our final Sunday of no Sunday school, and instead something completely different for people of all ages. So to warm us up for that, uh, Jonah, knock, knock. Owl says, yep. Think about it. All right. Hear these words of benediction. The Spirit of God who is above all and in all and through all, fills you with the knowledge of God's presence on earth and the impulse of Christ within you. Go in peace, serving God and serving earth. Mm -hmm.